0: Francis Crick was a molecular biologist, uh, most famous for discovering and describing the helical structure of the DNA molecule. And Really, it's only been in recent times that we've understood uh, the DNA molecule and how remarkable it is. It's, it's like a very sophisticated computer that encodes and decodes information. In fact, it's Bill Gates said there's nothing uh, humans have designed that's even close to its level of sophistication and complexity. But unfortunately for Francis Crick, this Nobel Prize winner, uh, he was a committed atheist and so this influenced how he tried to understand everything. So one of the big problems that people who are, who are naturalists, people who believe that uh, there's only matter and motion and energy and there's no, there's no kind of supreme intelligence that design things, um, they have difficulties uh, describing certain things, and in particular, or understanding something, in particular, the origin of life. So this is something that really scientists have no clue about. How did these extremely complex reproducing uh, molecules, uh, like computers, how did they form? And so um, the naturalists, atheists like Francis Crick, believe that somehow just these chemicals existed alongside each other and sort of spontaneously formed these ordered molecules. But um, in the early 70s... The belief was that there wasn't the right chemical composition on the early earth that could allow this to happen. So what does a committed atheist like Francis Crick do? Well, he writes a scientific paper in which he proposes that aliens planted the first reproducing molecules on the earth. It's actually the fancy name for that is panspermia. Um, And interestingly in 2012 there was a sci-fi movie based on that premise called Prometheus, and Prometheus is in a way a kind of um, prequel to the movie Alien that came out a long time ago. Uh, So in Prometheus, these archaeologists discover in various civilizations kind of maps of the stars that are all indicating a particular place uh, in the universe, and they come to realize that this was put there by an advanced alien species that had created human beings. And they thought this was an invitation to come and meet, for us to meet our creators when we got to the point that we were capable of space travel. And indeed, this is set in the future, and so humans are ca- capable of traveling deep into space, and so they have set out this exp- expedition. And um, what they want to do is they want to meet these aliens, they call them the engineers. They want to meet them, and they have one main question. They want to ask, why did you make us? Well, I'm gonna spoil the movie for you. And you can't blame me, it's been more, out for more than 10 years. So um, so basically, they, they, they're sent, the coordinates that, 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 they, that they follow send them to this kind of desolate planet where there's this crashed ship. And what they discover is the engineers were on that planet working on a, a kind of a bio weapon to wipe out all of humanity. So they never get an answer to the question of why they were made. In fact, all they know is that Their creators uh, regretted making them and wanted to wipe them out completely. Now, fortunately, uh, we were not created by aliens. We were created by a triune God. That character of God was revealed to Moses in our first reading, a merciful and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in kindness and fidelity. But the character of God would be fully revealed in Jesus Christ and so John tells us in the Gospel we just heard God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him might not perish but might have eternal life so why were we made? Well we were uh, created in the image of God, we were redeemed in God's image for the purpose of communion with God and with, with one another, a communion of life and love And this is the great mystery that we're reflecting on today, the mystery of the Holy Trinity. So prior to the coming of Jesus, the Israelites envisioned God as a solitary being. But with Jesus coming and revealing himself as the eternal Son of God and the Holy Spirit also being God, uh, we come to know that God actually is a community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Each person possessing fully the divine nature, yet distinct from one another, and in relationship with one another. And so one of the ways that God prepares us for what is our ultimate goal, which is communion in the Trinity, is by our experience of human community, human fellowship. So in the second reading, Paul is writing to the Corinthians. If you know anything about the church in Corinth, they were fighting about all kinds of things. So what does he tell them to do? He says, mend your ways, encourage one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, fortunately, for a long time now in our society, rather than, I think, the experience of of healthy, good communion... Um, we have been growing apart. Uh, I think the root ultimately is rejecting God, um, but whether, whatever, whatever, even if someone doesn't see that as the ultimate root, it certainly is measurable the way we've been growing apart. So in 2000, a book was published called Bowling Alone. And this was written by a researcher named Robert Putnam. And so what he found was that people had become increasingly disconnected from each other, from family, from friends, from neighbors, from, in, from church communities, and even in, in democratic structures. His thesis was that this impoverished lives and communities. And so he measured this in various, there was very, various measurements which supported his thesis, uh, but the title of the book, Bowling Alone, has to do with the fact that Uh, at least in the United States in the 1950s, bowling leagues were very common. So many, many people were part of bowling leagues and they kind of basically vanished. Now, this isolation, I think, has only increased since the year 2000, in large part due to how we use technology. Oftentimes, I go out to grab a bite to eat and I see a family sitting at a table together and each person is on their own device. Right? So they're, not, they're physically in this, right there next to each other, but they're not in communion in that moment. They're not in communion with each other. Tech allows us to interact with a world of our own making, of our own at least uh, uh, curating, rather than interacting with the people in which God's providence has placed us. I notice many young people today with underdeveloped social skills and an inability to engage in conversation and tragically, there is a correlation between um, isolation, a lack of true interpersonal communion, and uh, rates of suicide and rates of divorce. So we have very high rates of suicide and divorce in our society. Do you know where they have very low suicide and divorce? Kenya, in Africa. And I mentioned Kenya because you know Father Ignatius is from Kenya. So I've been living with uh, housemates with him for many years now and I often ask him, Tell me about what life is like there, and and that was one of the first things that struck me when I asked them specifically about this. Um, and trying to understand it, I think really it's hard for us to fully understand because um, because really the, a Kenyan uh, uh, conceives of them cannot conceive of themselves apart from their relationships. That is, they they have a fundamentally communitarian identity, um, and so and so this is something that we have a, a fundamentally uh, individualistic identity, and this is something that is um, the way that the, the Kenyans still are mostly today. Is actually how most human beings were for most of human history. I don't know if you've heard the name Carlos Slim, but he is right now ranked the seventh richest person in the world. He has over his net worth is over a hundred billion dollars. Uh, but back in 2013, he was the The richest person in the world. He was number one on the list. And I remember watching an interview at the time. Uh, Larry King of CNN was interviewing Carlos Slim, the richest man in the world. And part of the interview, uh, they show the house in which he lived with his family. And it wasn't a very big house. And Carlos Slim and his wife welcomed into the world and raised six children. Three boys and three girls. And their sons shared a room and their daughters all shared a room. Can you imagine that, right? You're, one, you're a son or daughter. I mean, Dad, you're the richest person in the world. Can I at least have my own room, right? <laughs> and so, I mean, Larry King couldn't believe this. So he's saying, you know, he's like, you're the richest man in the world. You could have a, easily afford a house 10 times the size of the one that you live in. And uh, so why haven't you? And, and Carlos Slim replied, he said, why? So, so all of us uh, won't even see each other during the day, just living in our own parts of 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 some huge house, and not really living together? What about your family? Do you eat together? Do you pray together? Do you share what's going on in your lives? And parents, you cannot settle for this when you ask your teenager how your day was, and they say, fine, (laughs) Right? One-word answers are not, are not deep interpersonal communion. They're not really sharing our lives with each other. What about your connection with neighbors or classmates or workmates? One of the places that God really wants us to experience communion is in the church. And if all you do is go to Mass on Sundays... It's very unlikely you're gonna to get to know anyone really well who is, is, is truly your brother and sister in Christ. I mean, this is what has happened, right? We have been made the family of God and therefore we are siblings of one another. And, um, if, but if all you do is go to Mass on Sunday's, it's just, it's just not going to, to happen. So you have to do something other, more than that, right? You be involved in some kind of service, be involved in some kind of group. And, uh, and when you do, and I know many people here who have found um, wonderful holy friendships that are that are encouraging and supportive and also challenging, which, by the way, is a part of true friendship and true communion. I understand the temptation to isolate. Trust me. Right? I mean, sometimes people, you know, they're people, and they can be difficult to be around. They can be annoying or boring or unkind. And you might say, well, look, God, Father, Son, and Spirit, you have eternally had a perfect community, right? Each person in your community is perfect, which is true. But the same God decided to create us and not remain distant from us, but actually to enter into our very messed up world and to, end up, and to enter into our very messed up lives. He didn't, like those aliens in the movie, decide to just wipe us out, but rather... He loved us so much that the Father sent the Son, who dies for us, and they sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. So the revelation of the Trinity answers that question. Why did you make us? We were made for communion with God and with each other.